Welcome to the Valleybrook Community Church Podcast, and thank you for joining us online today. You're about to hear a sermon from our current series, Kingdom Culture. We are living in the midst of cultural changes that most of us have never experienced. As a result, we see an ensuing chaos that some have dubbed the culture of outrage. However, as followers of Jesus, we are called to build a kingdom culture. This 12-part message series, Kingdom Culture, is focused on doing God's will to see the culture of the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. To watch any of our previous messages or find all listening platforms, we encourage you to visit www.valleybrook.cc forward slash on demand. Morning, church. Thank you so much for joining us uh, this morning here at the main campus and at our online campus as well. So glad that you guys are here. My name is David Seiler. I'm the student pastor here. Um, If you don't know me, I'd love to meet you after the service. Um, This morning, we're continuing our all-church study, Kingdom Culture. So Kingdom Culture means that we're always seeking the direction and the will of God on earth as it is in heaven. As we mentioned in week one, Kingdom Culture is countercultural, meaning that it follows the will of God, and that's nowhere close to the culture and the direction of the world around us. So that's what kingdom culture means. And this morning, we're talking about how kingdom culture adores God through worship. So typically when we think of worship, we think of singing songs at church. We think of you know, worship and what we just did. We think of singing songs at church. We think of maybe the songs we listen to in the car on the way to work or on our phones at different times. Maybe when you think of worship, you think of you know, singing loudly in the car um, on the way to work, or maybe you're singing like loudly phrases to God in the shower, whatever it is, um, that's kind of our first thoughts, but there's a lot more to worship than that. Um, and if we're honest, many of us aren't very good at singing. I'm one of those people, I'm not the worst singer in the world, but I'm like far from the best. Sometimes I joke, oh, I'll, I'll get up and I'll lead on Sunday morning, but then like everyone would leave. So there are times when I'll think, I'll be singing at home, I'll be singing like all of her songs on the TV or different things, and I'll think, wow, I actually don't sound that bad. And then Amber immediately looks at me like knowing that I'm thinking that, and she says, you're really flat. And I'm like, no, no, it's fine, it's fine. So there's those times where I'm flat, but I think I sound like okay, and then there's the times where it's just like so bad that Amber like cringes or laughs at me. Um, but again, like I'm not the worst singer, but if worship, if all worship is is singing to God and we're looking at the standard of how good of a singer you actually are, then I think a lot of us are like absolutely terrible at worship. But there's more to it than that. While singing songs to God on Sunday morning or in our car or whatever, that is worship. There's so much more to it than that. But what we may not realize is a lot of times we're not actually worshiping God. We're worshiping other things instead. Because everyone worships something. We're naturally drawn to whatever captivates the heart's affection and the mind's attention. So there are things in our life, things in the world around us that capture our, our affection that we love, that we get excited about, and those things also capture the attention of our mind. And a lot of times that kind of gets in the way of worshiping God. People are often captivated by things like pop icons, celebrities, social media, possessions, favorite sports teams. These things aren't necessarily bad in themselves, but there's a problem when they get in the way of our relationship with God and they take our priority away from God. 
Often worship isn't focused on God, but it's focused on ourselves. Often we're consumed by our jobs and our personal satisfaction, our wealth, you know, things that we want to buy, things that we want to do, our hobbies. And, and again, those things aren't necessarily bad. Like, you should have some focus on your job because you need money to pay the bills and things like that. So they're not necessarily bad, but the problem comes when they get in the way of our worship with God. Louis Giglio says, worship is our response to what we value the most. As a result, it fuels our actions and becomes the driving force in all that we do. So worship is our response to what we value most, and when we value ourselves or the things around us more than God, those things get in the way of our relationship with God, and we're fueled by them rather than being fueled by God's direction and God's purpose for our lives. Without Christ being our focus, there's a void or there's an emptiness in our lives. We may not realize it at the time. Maybe we feel um, kind of fulfilled by our jobs or possessions or likes on Facebook and Instagram and things like that. Um, but there is that emptiness, and these things can never satisfy the deepest longings of our heart. So in 2005, Tom Brady interviewed on the TV show 60 Minutes. He had just won his third Super Bowl ring after being in the NFL for only four years. In an interview, you know, after that, you would expect, everyone would expect him to be, you know, like at the top of the world, expect him to be excited. You know, everyone who ever played football, even Pee Wee, they're like, one of these days I'm gonna win, you know, the, the NFL championship, or I'm gonna be a, a Heisman candidate. Like, but no one is actually gonna reach that goal. I mean, hardly anyone even plays college football, much less NFL and winning the Super Bowl. So people would think that he's like at the top of his game. But he says, why do I have three Super Bowl rings and think that there is something greater out there for me? Like, why, why is that? He says, I mean, maybe a lot of people would say, hey man, this is what it is. This is, you know, you have reached your life goal. But then he says, I mean, this can't be all that it's cracked up to be. Like, I've done it, I'm 27, and like, what else is there for me? It's like, what else is there in life? Like, I'm, I'm just kind of done. And that just shows that he's feeling that emptiness. You know, you would expect him again to be fulfilled and excited and excited, you know, maybe I can do this more, excited for what's to come, but there's that emptiness there. Something was still missing. God has uniquely designed all of us with meaning and purpose. He created us in his image so that we could worship him, worship the creator, rather than worshiping the things of this world. Because when we don't worship the creator and we're worshiping other things, there's an emptiness inside us and we're unsatisfied. So when we step into a relationship with God, our relationship with him should be elevated, should be raised up above everything in our, else in our lives. It makes sense if we don't have a relationship with God that we're going to be running after things like wealth and money and our focus is going to be on, you know, Facebook likes or football or following celebrities or, you know, how people around us 
um, view us and how they, how they see us. That's going to be our priority, and that makes sense. But when we come into a relationship with God, that's when our fulfillment comes from Him, um, and it changes our perspective to be on God instead of things in the world around us. Matthew 6, 33-34 says, But seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So the first point is kingdom culture prioritizes kingdom values. Worship of God instead of money, status, or job, or anything else is countercultural. The normal in our culture is to worship those other things and to view those things, to view our jobs as um, a scale of fulfillment or as our goal for real success. But when we prioritize kingdom values, we find that our identity comes to be as image bearers of Christ. Our identity isn't made by our status or our job or money. Our identity is through being um, image bearers of Christ. Colossians 3, verse 2 through 3 says, Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Colossians 3, 15 through 17 goes on, and it says, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you are called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach Admonish one another with wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it through the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So kingdom, uh, practicing kingdom values isn't about what's comfortable to us. It says, whatever you do, do it all in the name of the Lord. So when we have that relationship with Christ, our lives are, are transformed. And, you know, this isn't a, hey, you accept Christ, then your life is transformed and you're done. This is, a, this is a process. When we accept Christ as our Savior, that's when it begins. And we should continue to follow him and learn and practice those kingdom values so that our relationship with him grows, so that we're able to continue developing and when that happens, we begin to form our identity more as Christ, and it evolves into a deeper relationship with Christ. The identity becomes more and more like that of Christ and less and less like the culture of the world around us. So kingdom culture also worships regularly with others. As I mentioned earlier, I'm not a good singer. So a lot of times when I'm here on Sunday mornings, you know, it's one thing if we're like, um, youth camp or things like that, and there's hundreds of people and they're all singing loudly, I don't hear my voice. But when I'm here on Sunday mornings or when I'm in the car and don't have the radio loud enough, like I hear my voice. So I either stop singing or I sing like more quietly so that I don't hear myself or that other people don't hear me as well. Um, but again, no matter how good or bad of a singer you are, God doesn't care. God doesn't care about how your voice sounds. He cares about the words we're singing, 
and he cares that our hearts are, are crying out to him and praising his name. Donald Whitney says, to worship God means to ascribe the proper worth to God, to magnify his worthiness of praise, and to approach and address God as he is worthy. So when we approach and we address God saying, you are worthy, when we're giving that proper worth to God, it doesn't matter what your voice sounds like. Um, it doesn't matter how good of a singer or how bad of a singer you are. You know, this point is kingdom culture worships together with other people and does that on a regular basis. There's something special about worshiping and singing together in person on Sunday morning or other times. We're forming that community. We're forming those people who are there together who are all crying out to God, and that's an amazing thing. You know, in dealing with COVID and the challenges that we're facing in, you know, our state and our country and our world today, like, times are kind of tough. Times are awkward. There's a lot of tension on, you know, what can I do? What can I not do? You know, how close should I get to people? Should I talk to that person? You know, like, they coughed once, so they must be sick which is sometimes true, but not always. But so there's a lot of tension and there's a lot of questioning that, that all of us have on, you know, what can I do? Um, who's okay? Am I okay? Things like that. So I understand we are in a difficult time and many are concerned um, for their health and they spend pretty much all their time um, at home and you know, they watch online, which we're so glad, those of you who are at our online campus, that you're here with us this morning. Um, there's others like me who have young children who, if they were here at church without being in the nursery or childcare, they would be running all around the church. They would be running up on the stage. They would be screaming or crying or all of those things. So um, it definitely makes sense that those people would be staying home because my son would be one of those people who, when we were at uh, night of worship outside, I had to wrap him up with my legs because otherwise he was gonna run up on stage and try to play guitar, um, which he would probably just break the guitar instead. Um, so I'm glad that you, know, you guys are able to be at the online campus. But I also wanna warn everyone to not simply stay home because it's comfortable. Living a life of kingdom culture is about being uncomfortable. So I'll be honest, when quarantine first began, I was, I was upset, I was questioning, like, what are we doing with youth? How are we doing this? What is Sunday morning gonna look like? So I was like nervous about all that. But then the first Sunday where we watched from home, it was kind of nice. Like I, I was able to roll out of bed and you know put on some like sweatpants and the first righty t-shirt that I picked up off the floor that had been there for the last three days and it didn't matter. Went downstairs, turned on the TV, watched on YouTube, and um, like it was, it was nice. It was comfortable. Didn't have to shower or like really get ready. Uh, it was, you know, it was kind of like lucky if I even brushed my teeth at that point. But anyway, so, but worshiping from the couch isn't the same. It became harder to focus. Um, you know, easy to just think, wow, I'm kind of hungry. Maybe I'll grab a snack. Um, you know, the dog who would get in my face and try to lick my face or climb all over me or drop the ball in my lap, you know, like kind of became a little bit of a distraction. Um, 
while I'd be watching, and then Oliver would come in, and he's like, AB, AB, because he wanted to watch songs about the ABCs, and I had to tell him, you know, no, we're watching church. So there's, while it became comfortable at first, there's a lot of distractions that made it difficult for me to focus. Plus, being together in worship, community, and studying God's Word is special, especially when we can do it together in person. So I challenge you, don't fall into the trap of staying home just because it's easier and you don't feel like showering or driving to church. Um, if you're comfortable living every day like you did before COVID, please come, join us on Sunday morning. Don't just stay home because it's comfortable. But again, if you have you know, health concerns and things like that, we're so glad that you're able to join us online. There are times when, also when we don't necessarily feel in the mood to worship, so we don't show up or allow our focus to be on God. And that may be us not showing up on Sunday morning, or that may be us not showing up and spending time with God in the week. But again, kingdom culture isn't about being comfortable or kind of our feelings, it's about focusing on God. And worshiping together changes us. Joel Houston from Hillsong, he said, the heart of worship is the relational communion with God and his people. Singing together helps Christians engage in that reality. Singing songs of worship is a great way for people to open up and remove themselves from whatever distractions they have to encounter the Spirit of God. And when people's hearts are opened to that interaction with Jesus, their lives begin to be transformed to look more like Jesus. So again, when people's hearts are opened and they have that interaction with Jesus on Sunday morning and throughout the week, their lives begin to be transformed to look more like Jesus. So the third point is kingdom culture lives in a worshipful way. Worship is not only about singing. It is the outpouring of our lives led by the Spirit and rooted in God's truth, devoting all that we are and all that we do to Him, our Creator. So again, worship isn't just about singing. It's not just about Sunday morning. It's about being rooted in God's truth and devoting our lives, devoting all that we are to Him and making Him worthy, making Him that priority. So Donald Whitney, he's a, he's a great theologian, and he's written a lot of books as well. He tells the story of his 10th birthday party. He had eight friends over to his house. They, you know, they grilled, they had hamburgers and hot dogs, they had a birthday cake, they played you know, basketball and football outside until the sun went down, open presents, and it was so excited for, exciting for him, he loved it. But then he was most excited about what was going to happen afterwards. He had gotten um, tickets, and he was paying for uh, him and his eight friends to go to um, the high school basketball game. He lived in a small town, so that was pretty much the only thing there was to do on a Friday night. And for a 10-year-old, that was crazy exciting. So he was ready, um, excited, but the problem came when they got to the game. They walk in. You know, he pays for their tickets, he's excited, but then everyone scatters. Um, you know, one person went over here, one person went over there, one person went to see their friends there, their friends there, they got food. And once they got to the game and went through that door, he never saw them again. 
for the rest of the night. There was no, hey, thanks for the cake, you know, happy birthday, thanks for the dinner, you know, we love playing basketball, see you later. There wasn't even a see you later. It was just, they were just gone, scattered. And he's left there wondering, like, where did my friends even go? So he tells this story as a reminder of what we often do to God in worship. We come on Sunday morning, we're excited, we're like, hey, we're going to worship God. We sing praises to him. You know, maybe we pray, we listen to the message, and then we just kind of leave and forget about it. And maybe sometimes we don't even pray, talk to God, or think about God until the next Sunday. Or if you miss church the next Sunday, maybe it's two weeks later, or three weeks later, or maybe even if you're only there for Christmas and, and Easter, then you know, you're looking at months later. So the problem comes when we're not in that kingdom culture is we're not living in a worshipful way. We're forgetting about God when, we're not, when it's not Sunday morning or when we don't have that feeling or we don't have that desire to think about God. And when this happens, we're totally missing out on living a life of worship. In order to live in a worshipful way, we have to focus. We have to respond to God throughout the week. And the center and the foundation of this comes through, through Bible study, through meditation, and focus on Him. As Harrison mentioned early, earlier, we have our small groups meeting throughout the week. Some of them are meeting in person, some are on Zoom, and some are um, kind of have the option of both. So I encourage you, you know, check that out. Find a small group. As you leave today, pick up a, a packet. There's also info in there and a and a little journal, so these are ways that you can study the Bible for yourself throughout the week as well. And if you're watching from online and you want one of those, um, send us an email here at the church or give us a call. You can just email office at valleybrook.cc and we'll be sure to get those things to you. So again, in order to live in a truly worshipful way, we have to focus and respond to God throughout the week. That's the center, that's the foundation of our lives. And it's hard to really worship God if we don't have the foundation that it's, that it's built on. Because if we're only doing it through songs on Sunday morning or when our emotions feel like it, we're missing out on that relationship with God that, that he wants us to have. We're missing out on that, that worship in our lives. Colossians 2 verse 12 says, For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized. And with him, you were raised to a new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. So again, this is a reminder of when we accept Christ, we're raised to a new life. We begin to have that renewal, that growth, and we begin to build that new foundation of transformation. Romans 12, 1 and 2 also says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So this is a reminder. Don't be, don't conform to the pattern of this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So remember, kingdom culture is countercultural. If we're living in kingdom culture, we're not going to be um, conform to the pattern of this world or the standards of this world. 
We're going to be transformed into a culture of following Jesus. Worship is something that should be weaved into everything we do in our lives. Every part of our day should be soaked in worship and a renewing of our minds. That doesn't mean that we have to spend our whole day singing, um, but it means that everything we do is a backdrop of wanting to glorify God. You know, the way we speak to our, our family, the way we speak to our coworkers, the things that we're thinking about. You know, yes, we have to focus on work, but we need to be doing that work for the glory of God. Matt Redman, when he's, he was asked um, what he was saying to people who don't feel the joy in worship, for those who don't feel like worshiping, he said, you can't breathe out until you've breathed in. Breathe in God's love regularly, pray, spend time in his presence, and then breathe out through worship. So that's where true worship comes in, is when God is a part of our lives, when he is transforming us, when he's renewing us, then we are able to breathe out and cry out to God through worship. So I want to invite Louisa up. Louisa is one of our worship leaders, and I'd just like to ask her a few questions about what worship means to her. So everyone give Louisa a hand. We can be happy, we can clap. <laughs> so Louisa, um, the first question I had was, in this culture of self-worship, you know, where we are the focus, how do you make time to worship God outside of church? So for me personally, like, um, worship is surrender. And um, I surrender my life to him. I surrender who I am, um, what I have, um, what I do. So everything for me is surrender to him. So therefore, the way I make that time is as soon as I wake up in the morning, literally, like, as soon as my eyes open, I'm like, thank you, God, I get to breathe another day, <laughs> you know, and that's when my moment of worship starts, I mean, outside of the church, you know, and sure. when I, you know, go into work, um, I always have my music on, and preferably, I love music, I just love me all music, <laughs> but I prefer to just wake up in the mornings and just listen to worship music, because it just draws my attention off of me, you know, it takes it away off of me and draws it up to him. So when I go to work, I just, you know, um, um, praise him and worship him and make sure, you know, to, to give him worship throughout the day. Um, so that's how I kind of, you know, outside of the church and it, uh, I, I praise and worship, uh, worship him. Yes. Cool. <laughs> so I know a lot of times on Facebook you'll share different songs and things like that. Um, so I noticed you, you said one time that you want to give God the glory. Where does that desire come from? Um, so most of it really is because of my personal story with Jesus. Um, I became a Christian when I was 16, and it was such a pivotal moment in my life that I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in my 40s now, and I believe firmly that if it wasn't for that moment, um, I wouldn't be here. And, you know, that's, that's my own personal experience. Um, and, and I know it's not for everyone, but that's the way that God just worked in my life to bring me to worship him personally. Um, so that's where my, that desire comes from. And I, you know, um, how does someone give the glory to God? I just, 
for me personally, I make sure that, again, like I said, everything that I do, everything that I have, everything that I have is because of him. And I cannot take the glory. Um, and it doesn't mean that you can't be congratulated. You can't be, uh, feel good because you have succeeded. You have achieved something. But for me, like every time I achieve something or I succeed at something or someone says, good job, Luisa, in my, my head, you don't see it working. <laughs> but in my head, it's going back to when I was 16 years old, I gave my life to Christ and he changed it all. And that's why. I did what I did, and that's why you're saying, good job, Luisa, because he's the one that made me do what I did for it to be a good job. <laughs> so, so for me, it just goes back to just thanking him for just giving me life and, and making me who I am. So um, next question was, how do you worship God when life isn't going well? We have a lot of times in our life where life isn't going well and there's hard times. So how do you worship God in those times? Right. And, um, you know, I had a conversation with my 13-year-old a couple of weeks ago, and I said, you know, um, Isai, it's, it, we're not preaching you because, you know, we're trying to raise him in Christ, right? And I'm like, I'm not trying to make, you know, um, make uh, the life of God, you know, serving God is so glorious and kind of like, oh, yeah, we never go through troubles. <laughs> no, we're going to go through the same situations as everybody. We're going to get sick. We're going to lose a family member. We're going to cry. We're going to get hurt. We're going to go through painful moments. But the difference is when you have God, you still have hope. You still have somewhere to reach out to. You don't feel alone. And so um, when things are not going well, that's, that's what I do. I, I remember that, that, and I recognize that God is still God, and he is unchangeable. He is unmovable. So when he is good, um, when I'm going through good moments and just, you know, glorious seasons, um, I remember and I thank God for that because he's awesome and he's God, right? And, and, and I'm so thankful for that good moment. But when things are not going too well, why would my thinking change, you know? Yeah. I should still remember that he is still God. He's still awesome. He still doesn't change, and he's still unmovable. So therefore, when, I'm, when things are not going well, as hard as it is, because I've had moments where I've had to lead worship, and I've had to like take a step back and get away from everybody and just cry my eyes out and say, God, you are still God, and I'm going to worship you right now, and I'm going to put aside my emotions, my human self, and this is for your glory. And those 15 minutes that I have to worship you, I'm just going to worship you with everything that I am. Those have been my, mo my most favorite moments of worshiping God up here. <laughs> when, it's, when I'm going through those moments and I'm able to actually do that. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, that's how. <laughs> um, so what advice would you give to someone about embracing a lifestyle of worship? So, um... The advice that I would give is, is just to recognize, again, who he is in your life. Um, I'm grateful to him just because of who he is. And then there's some also amazing things that he's done in my life that provoke me to worship him. Um, so I would just say, look deep inside, like where, you know, how is it, how it is. And also, you know, through the Bible. I mean, God... 
the word of God says he is God. He is um, omnipotent. He's just powerful. He's just amazing. And there's so many stories in the Bible that I cling to when I'm going through difficult times. Um, because I'm like, wow, God, if you, if you saw Israel go through and, and, and you saw them and get them to the other side, you can get me through the other side. You yeah. know? So I would say, you know, um, embrace that lifestyle of worship by just recognizing who he is in your life and remembering that he is the basis of your life. Um, you know, he is the foundation of your life. And then with that being said, just wake up, thank him, go to sleep, thank him. Thank you, Louisa. Give her a hand. Thank you so much. I want to pray for us, and then I want to go back into a time of worship. I think in talking about worship, we should end in worship. So let's pray. Dear God, I thank you so much for this morning. I thank you for your word, and I thank you for um, just all that you've done for us. God, I pray as we go um, throughout this week, as we finish up this morning, as we go throughout this week, God, that we will that we will worship you, that you will be um, the foundation of our lives and that you'll continue to transform us into your will. Jesus, name I pray. Thank you for listening to our podcast. It is our sincere hope that it has blessed you. For more information, visit our website at www.valleybrook.cc.